Sun's up. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to Active Recall, episode 73. I am your co-host, Walter, with... Francis. And we're talking about Magic the Gathering this week. I stole your line. (laughs) So, we missed last week, but we're back this week. I think... Mm-hmm. On average, this is better than we did say we're gonna, this is better than taking three months between episodes. We mm-hmm. didn't hit weekly so in no time at all. We'll be we'll be back to getting the weekly yeah. cadence on. I'm moving to California with Amy and we'll be on the same time zone. And the hunch is that is gonna make it easier to record, but we'll see. Yeah. I I'm pretty sure it'll be a lot better. I mean, it's like nine, nine, almost ten o'clock over there for you. On a Saturday, yeah. yeah. On a Saturday, yeah, brutal. But uh, yeah, I, you said you're moving. How's that? How's that going? Everything good? Uh, Pretty good. I mean, uh, we're doing the things. So the movers are going to do the packing as well. We've never done that before, so not too sure what to expect. But I, I trust the professionals. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, you know, for me, it's just been working. Been working on a lot of videos lately. It's just a little stressful here and there, but for the most part, you know, I still love it. It's, it's my thing. I just can't get enough of it. But uh, yeah, let's. <laughs> you could get enough. You get enough of everything. <laughs> that's funny. I've been walking Central Park a lot. And I also think, like, oh, I can't get enough of that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes could overdo it. There were a couple a couple days where I walked, like, 10 miles, which is which is great. Uh, so if you are familiar with steps, that translates to, like, between, like, 23,000 to 25,000 steps, something like that. My feet hurt, yeah. My feet would hurt the next day, so definitely, like, too much of a good thing. Anyway, yeah. we're going to talk about Magic the Gathering. We kind of, um, I mean, I installed it. Magic Arena, and you've been playing a little bit. It's on Mac oh, yeah. OS now, so a lot easier, a lot more. Or I mean, yeah, just anyway. But we we did play it before. Yes. Yes. So, we, we what's all... your history with Magic? Yeah. So when I when I came back, I didn't really have a like a thing to do. Like maybe video games, of course. But then I I wanted to you know hang out with Kurt do some stuff and then he's like and he said he was saying hey man guess what i'm back into i was like oh what, what are you doing he's like oh, i'm playing magic you should come and check it out i was like yeah actually i'm down so we go to this magic shop it's not like you know tricks and not like actual magic but it was a magic gathering store it had like comics it has it has like it has different like tabletop games and like other card games stuff there but the big thing was Magic the Gathering. And I went there on a Friday night, and I could not believe it, but it was crazy packed. Like, people were all there, all about tournaments, all that stuff, and I was very curious. So, so Kurt was the leading person to get me straight into Magic, or like, the, like how it works, the procedure, all that stuff. And, and it actually, I, I fell in love with it really fast because it was like, it was like coding. It was like programming all over again. There was a lot of logic and a lot of the, like, you know, there's that if else statement, there's, there's like precursors, but there's always how a program goes from top to bottom. But overall got into that probably around 2015. What about you? Well, I played as a, a child. Played in third grade. No, 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 no. This isn't third grade. It was like fifth grade. So still lived on base in Japan and was, I think Kurt hadn't played. So Kurt had moved away, but we had this other best friend there. And 
me and him would yeah just like go to the hobby shop whatever and then i remember saying like oh let's go let's, i think i just like heard of this like playing card game and i just bought like one fourth edition booster pack and then uh-huh. took it home you open it like so you know i just kind of like have whatever 15 cards just is it, it's 15 right it's just like lying around and of course <laughs> it's like very unclear how to play this game and then eventually like we go back to the store talk to the guy and this is just you know it's so long ago how, how can i really remember really what happened here but i definitely do remember like at some point like having cards and not knowing at at all how to play the game and then eventually like going to the store and then finding out there's this other store this other comic store where people are actually like there's actually like tables there so that you can play and right just slowly like learning how to play that way but then moving to washington so reunite kurt's involved in all our magic activities but yeah he got <laughs> reunited and and then shout out to our other friend, Ray, who's not listening. So why would we shout him out? Right. He was older. So like three years older than us. And he knew the rules. Like at that point, like we were in fifth grade going into sixth, but he was going into high school. And that's when I realized like, oh, I don't know. I, I really didn't know the rules at all. I thought I knew how to play it, but not, I, I kind of did. But then he taught us uh, some of the concepts that we're going to talk about in this. Episode. Just, yeah. Just like, and he had w- way more cards so we could build our decks with his cards as well. And, and just learned like how to actually play. And then I played again. I stopped playing then 12, no, not even 12 years. Like, so from 97 to the next time I played, it was like 2014. <laughs> so that's <laughs> more than a few years. So it's al- almost like, so 17 years later, almost four years later, I picked it back. Some coworkers were like, dude, magic's back. And yeah. We did that, played for a few months, did a Grand Prix, and then just like went cold turkey after the Grand Prix. Mm. It was just uh, too much for me to handle. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Excited to have installed, ready to get back into it. But instead of actually playing, we're just going to record this and talk about it. So yeah, yeah, I I basically, what we're going to talk about is, is like the life lessons from Magic the Gathering and... With some book notes. Yeah, book notes, yeah. So it makes sense and I'll I'll start it off. So so the first example is, uh, it's called having the right starting hand. Life lesson number one. Yeah, it's... uh, when you start off with the game, you start off with seven cards, right? And you need to have a certain amount of lands, some spells, maybe creatures, or... You know, it's it's things that need to be prepared for the first few rounds. And sometimes it's good to have, like, the first seven, it'll, it'll just magically happen. Or you, have, you don't have the right hand, maybe you only have one land and, like, a bunch of high-level creatures, or maybe spells that you can't even use because of the color... And that's when you don't have the right hand. It's called a mulligan. You have to mulligan it so you can get six cards next time. But the reason I'm talking about this is because it's the power of not knowing. There's a there's this quote by this guy named Chris uh, Doe. He, he's coming in empty. You, you kind of have to assume and hopefully get to know what... You have to believe in your deck, right? But you have to know what you're trying to do. So there's this thing where he says, remove any bias. Don't over-prepare for the sales call. In fact, don't prepare at all. It's, it's just, <laughs> it's, he's a, what do you call that? Motivational speaker. No, not a motivational speaker. He's a uh, marketing manager for a big company. Yeah, um, he runs a design agency and then has a lot of experience in like uh, design agencies in the agency world. And, but now he is like, I think pretty much like motivational, building up personal brand, he- helping other people build up their personal brands. And yeah, just giving like motivation to creative people and teaching stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. 
So he talks about some of these things where start empty, without bias, without presumption, armed with no answers, but just questions. Be open to hear and learn. So even if you don't have the right hand or when you do have the right hand, you don't know what's going to come up next when you pull out more cards during your turn or, you know. The other thing is just die and let the good stuff flow. So, so even if you don't have a good starting hand, you can gamble that and maybe when you pull up the card, you'll have what you need. Maybe a land or maybe another creature spell, something that will help you. But just be curious. It's, it's just having the right hand. Seth, what do you... Hey, yeah, so I, I put this, yeah. this quote here. So this title makes it sound like the most boring book, but it's a great book. <laughs> High Output Management by Andy Grove. I think I talked about this last week. So it's the founder of Intel. Actually, the same thing happened last week. That I think he's the founder of Intel, but he, at some point he, he was leading Intel. I'm not exactly sure if he's the founder. And I should have found out within the past week. And yeah, this is like a classic book about technology management. And here he says... I'd like to introduce the concept of leverage, which is the output generated by a specific type of work activity. An activity with high leverage will generate a high level of output. An activity with low leverage, a low level of output. For example, a water, a waiter able to boil two eggs and operate two toasters can deliver two breakfasts for almost the same amount of work as one. His output per activity and therefore his leverage is high. And this is not necessarily like the same thing, but there's different time can be kind of this factor of like where there's like high leverage just because of the the context of the starting hand and having being off to the right start and that uh a unique thing or not unique but like a a thing in magic is that you do start with a random hand it's not it's not chess right so yeah you can imagine if if chess started with randomized pieces on both sides and a mulligan would allow you to like look at your pieces say like i don't want that let me mulligan and you, you get may, maybe you sacrifice a pawn or something right to get like another <laughs> yeah, setup so sense. you can imagine that that's kind of the similar trade-off when you do a mulligan and it, it is this idea of starting with the right hand and also we were just talking uh when we were planning this outline looking at the other side of this too is that you don't have to start with the right hand in all cases like it there are like other there's going to be other pivotal points in the game if you play right and then you can definitely like work yourself out of bad hand and there's like lucky draw like maybe the the cards that you draw are the exact ones that you need right after like mm-hmm. a bad start so can't just like throw everything out because the start went wrong but it, it definitely does have like a bigger effect on the game yeah oh yeah yeah that that totally makes sense yeah that was that was a good okay good way to start off success nice uh, so i wrote uh life lesson number two this counters that which is countered by this which is countered by that and this is just that idea in magic. This is one of the things that the first games that I learned that everything has a counter and there's five colors in magic, in the magic system. And you get, probably like actually the first time you learn this, right, is rock, paper, scissors. And then the game that comes to mind is like Street Fighter 2, where actually I played that game a lot, but didn't understand this idea that like, oh, there's a counter to everything. You just think like Ryu is like the best character. Yeah. Clearly like what you, you play to get as an adult, you learn there's like these different tiers and and there's like counters to, to everybody. And not, not not that it's like the exactly best balanced game, but there's counters to different things. And then we learned this again with like Starcraft that like, oh, this counters that. There's always like counters to different things. And if there's not, mm-hmm. then eventually like, 
things will get developed or like the gameplay will develop and people find out these counters that evolve and if they if there is no counter then roughly like you find out that card's broken and there's systems in place for like tournaments where they'll be able to like ban different cards and that's right so i guess i did put a book quote here which is a fighter's heart and do you want to read this sure that's by sam sheridan how do you pronounce that guy's name olavo okay so i'll just say olavo so Alavo muttered in my ear, you have to fun you have to learn from everybody and stay open minded. Learn and watch carefully. Observation is critical. Watch how they grip. Guys who have been to a lot of different schools are very good because they learn so many different techniques. Now there is so much interchange that we have a lot of broad innovation and spreading ideas. And that's the end of the quote. And yeah, have you let's say, have you ever watched someone play magic? Yeah, I mean <laughs> I watch people I watch some of their their ways of doing like counters or or things. So like one of the things I remember watching was Kurt play and he did this thing where he would only have like two lands up and it's the guy's turn. And he only has one card. And I see it on Kurt's end that he only has a land or something. Uh, it's just like in his hand. It's just a land. But he has two lands up on the, on the board. So, so this guy is about to attack Kurt. But it, he's thinking long and hard. And I'm like, attack him. He's got nothing. But then I didn't realize Kurt was actually bluffing him. He was actually tricking the uh, other guy. And it was tripping me out because I didn't understand what was happening because I was very new to this. And then it, it hit me like a ton of bricks because the guy backpedaled and didn't attack and just went into uh, to pass the turn to Kurt. Kurt didn't do anything. He untapped. He got some cards. And finally, he was able to win the game. Like, it, it, it was a very long game, but he was able to do it. But there was, like, tactics that i never seen before that I kind of incorporate in myself now, which is, is great. But I see that, you know, you have here, it's uh, called Millstone. So Yeah, this was just that thing. Uh, I guess I did kind of mention it in um, learning to play in Japan with just like maybe from like four people. And we're kind of, we don't really know what we're doing. We're not really like able to learn. There's not YouTube. There's no resources to like learn these different things. And then again, like starting to play with Kurt, with Ray. Oh, shout out to Ez also, who's like definitely not listening. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Playing with people who, and then watching one of them put a deck together that was just about like making your opponent discard all their cards, and this just like blew my mind. Just like read the rule book, and it says, yeah, if if you hit your draw phase, you can't draw, then you lose, right? And Mm -hmm. I I just thought like, oh, that that must just be in there as a technicality. Like that's not going to really happen because you know you like attack each other enough, and someone will die. Because that yeah. seems like the only way that you could you can win. But then, like, that's where I learned, oh, okay, so there's, like, more a lot more depth to this game that, like, oh, you, you can make certain deck that does a certain thing that's not attacking. And the only way to learn that was to see someone else play. It's, like, not necessarily... <laughs> yeah. yeah, just, like, this is why it can be valuable to learn from, like, do things with other people find other people with your interests if you want to grow in that and develop those things together yeah i mean to to be honest i i thought the game about magic was that the opponent and you have exactly 20 life you had to bring him down to zero i thought that was the only way to to win but milling cards which is just making that guy keep discarding cards putting it putting into the graveyard or even exile for that matter i didn't realize that if he can't draw 
then he loses. That's another way of winning. It's just, but the, to me, that's like the meanest way possible to lose. I just like the guy is not having fun. I won't have fun if I can't play. But it, it's it's a good tactic. I I think it's something I never knew about too until Kurt's like, this is thing called milling, and I was like, what? But yeah, everyone has a different tactic. There's color combinations. There's different different ways. But I mean, even then, now now that YouTube and all these websites about magic is there, there's everyone finds out like a really clever way to play the game, and it's it's very yeah, enjoyable to watch. There's like yeah. no secrets now, too, right? Like anything is gonna yeah, be exactly. revealed. And then I guess like the the opposite of this too is I, I'm saying like, oh yeah, like it's good to be in other communities and blah blah blah. But then like an interesting thing is kind of somewhat the opposite of that is that like starcraft in korea where like just it just like evolves over the years in korea like independently of the rest of the world because they had like that's uh, like the game was popular there they, like it was popular in cafes and they were able to like develop all these things and then uh, there's a good video on youtube just about like the blizzard developers going there and then like seeing the way that they played the game and just like not knowing that things were possible, which is a super cool thing that happens. That's with. so cool. And it's like, it, w- it wouldn't happen now because like mm-hmm. everything is, it's so hard to keep. It's kind of well known. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can't keep it under wraps. So yeah. Next life yeah, so, lesson. Uh, yeah. So yeah, of course. No, 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 no. You're right. So to the next uh, life lesson, number two for me, it's called top decking. And when all solutions are gone and you need that one card to help you. So in the game of Magic, if you top deck, let's say let's say you have cards in your hand, but but the opponent that is he's he has the advantage and you need to somehow wipe the board or maybe stop a big creature from attacking you and you don't have any answers or whatever. So you just need that one card to answer it. And sometimes it's 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 great. Sometimes it's not. Maybe you pull out a land, and that is a very common thing, and it's very irritating. But if when there's a solution is there, you could that could help you. It, I use this thing from uh, Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point, and the quote is, The tipping point is that one magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses the threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. So that one card could save the game. And, and I could use this one example... Jason and Kurt were playing each other against each other on Magic Arena, and it was crazy. Jason needed a card to stop Kurt from winning the game, and Jason had no cards in his hand. So it was it was kind of crazy. Kurt had probably six, seven creatures. Jason had about five, and all Kurt had to do was attack with all. Jason stops it. Jason stopped just enough, but if he can't, the next turn it's game over. So everything just depended on one card, and Jason only had one life left. The guy was a 1-1 that was ready to attack. Jason stopped it. He top-decks a minus-1, minus-1 enchantment aura, and he was able to stop Kurt, which which he was able to win the game. It was insane. It was it was actually really, really good. Yeah, uh, so You probably had to be there. Someone who wasn't there. <laughs> so, I, you know, with Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point, it, it's, a, it's a really good book if you guys... You guys need to read this. It's also a great book. It's a lot about trends, a lot about epidemics. I mean, like, I guess with what's going on right now, this is a, another thing. But Yeah, I guess, yeah. like, another thing, too, is when you have, like, a deck built around some specific strategy, you need, say, like, three cards to work together. 
and you know you, you put uh, four of each in there to try to get it to work and you have it you're, you're building it up and you're just ready you have it all set up and then the card never comes it's just like never because like for whatever reason and you know that you have you had it all set up anyway that there's no lesson there it's just like that's what happens sometimes yeah but anyways your quote oh yeah yeah here so i put the power of moments by chip heath and dan heath this says what was your first day like at your current job is it fair to say it was not a defining moment and I guess, like, just this book and the idea of, like, top decking made me think of this book and the just the importance of moments. So this book is also a business book and kind of, I mean, it has, like, personal, like, different stories from different fields. But ultimately, like, it's about, like, how to apply this in your life and in your business. And there's this idea of the the start of something and then the end of something being, like, two moments that are always there. There's always things in between, but if you think of, like, in wrestling, there's entrances, right? So, like, they always have, like, cool uh-huh. entrances. You can you can guarantee, like, there's always going to be cool entrances and then something that happens that leads to a pin. And it's, like, you always have those by default. And then within the game, or, yeah, within the match, there's, like, different other moments there that they try to try to build up. And you can, yeah, try to apply this in any time that you're, like, trying to give a presentation for some reason or doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, just, like, figuring out how to put these moments together and then you won't have to like rely on luck i guess uh, i don't know so you could like ooh luck that's a good one man yeah so yeah that's a yeah that's definitely like a good concept in magic is like it is always fun to top deck or like i mean it's the same thing with like poker like like hitting it on the river right and, yeah you know, uh-huh. sort of, yeah so it's like a similar thing to that yeah and this last example uh life lesson number 4 what I put here was value can change. And right. the like subtitle I had here was Balduvian Horde versus Force of Will. <laughs> so when I moved to Washington, this new site came out, Alliances, and then Balduvian Horde was like the card that you wanted to get. And then eventually like and it was like the, the most expensive card in that set for for quite a while. And then now it's like just another rare and it's kind of roughly like a worthless card. And it's just like over time, like the game just changed. And I, I think I remember like at the time people were like, oh, this card's kind of overrated. And that proved to be true. And now it's like, yeah, just like this footnote. And, but Force of Will is this other card that's used a lot in some of these different, what's it called, formats that got very popular. And it just started, it's just a card that worked well over time as the game evolved. The reason that I mention this or this is the quote that I have here is from this essay by Paul Graham. It's called How You Know. So he says, for example, reading and experience are usually compiled at the time they happen using the state of your brain at that time. The same book would get compiled differently at different points in your life, which means it is very much worth rereading or worth reading important books multiple times. And that's the end of that quote. And then it, it just also reminded me of Tim Ferriss and Derek Sivers. Tim Ferriss, of course, like recommends all sorts of books. And one of them is uh-huh. The Power, or I think it's The Magic of Thinking Big. And on this episode, Derek Sivers is like, I checked that book out, just didn't like it. And it's kind of this thing of, <laughs> it depends when you read a book. And even Tim, Tim Ferriss says like, yeah, you know, it was like probably one of those right, right book for the, at the right time sort of things yeah. and it's this idea that value changes as like so the, the value of a book the value of an idea changes like depending on where in your life you are 
where like <laughs> back to like these magic cards though though it's like this worthless card like my copy of Baldivian Horde still is valuable to me <laughs> because of the nostalgia yeah. of it right <laughs> and yeah just like always being aware of that when I, th- I think especially when I read like reviews of books and they're very critical of different books like oh this is just like such and such book and but if you read them in reverse order then you'd probably like this book that you just read and it's just like there are similar books like like we talk about the slight edge and the compound effect are like very similar books <laughs> like them both but i could see where someone would say like oh this one of this like these are the same books what is a book that you think is or what's a book that you reread regularly reread we're not regularly we're not like i think the one book i keep going back to hmm, it's not okay so i i went to a couple books previously on the last podcast which was blinkist because of blinkist and it was like obstacles the way i think stillness is the key and then grit but the book i keep going to it's it's i'm not gonna say slight edge because that's i I love that book that's actually that's the first book you got me and i did go over it i i guess man i i reread a lot dude i'm sorry i guess i would say slight edge because that's it it always gets me going i mean it it gets me pumped up sometimes because like that compound effect you were talking yeah like if i do something small it'll just keep compounding over time like it'll keep working over time and it'll keep getting better and better and it just keeps like it's literally how i work on a project and i just start small and then slowly work my way through it and and then by the time i check it i i showed you a picture of my project it's like millions of things millions of keyframes and things that i've done graphically and and just you said it looks like a nightmare but in fact i see it as like a a work of art kind of like (laughs) it it looks daunting that's the thing but it actually if you just break it down that was just because it was compounded over time but yeah, Slide Edge is like the book I would go to yearly if if that's yeah that's my yeah yeah and it's the thing that we don't really remember as much as you could read reread a book after a year and so much mm-hmm. of it is like still pretty new or like feels new or it can yeah. feel new like it's still good information. There's always yeah like some new insight that you get and it it is that idea that like it's because you're compiling the things in that book with your current experience because you know your current experiences are fresh and you're thinking like oh how can i apply like the concepts from this book to my to my life right now what small things can i do now (laughs) and like what i'm trying to improve except in our case where we've been banging away on this podcast for three yeah definitely like slight edge is a good one i I should reread that it's really good earlier this year we were talking about like work clean so i'll do like some chapters from that book repeatedly and that's always good and yeah there's like i guess like kind of multiple ways to reread sometimes it is just this idea like it it isn't new i'm going there exactly for a certain chapter because i know it gets me going and it's it's going to be the same way it's like Exactly. Watching that same yep. Rocky montage, but a nonfiction <laughs> self development. Yeah, dude, this was this was good, man. I, I I feel like we we actually nailed a lot of our stuff. I mean, if you want to do a part two about this, we can, or maybe next time we we can do one in the future. I think that this is a good amount, and yeah. we have some some ideas for the next part two of this. If you do like this let us know we're gonna keep trying to do this i guess to like talk about the format a little bit which i talked about in the last solo episode is instead of doing just like a rundown of one book we're gonna try to see if we could pick other topics to focus on maybe like one Mm -hmm. movie 
similar to what I did with Ford versus Ferrari, and then bring different books into that. Maybe that'll be more interesting, something to work with. I can say it is more fun. And okay. just that it's more fun to, I mean, you're starting with like something that's more entertaining just by, by its nature <laughs> that like a movie is meant to, movie, to entertain. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or like TV show or, or like games, right? Like these are meant to entertain where like a nonfiction book will use entertainment as like an element of it. And I mean, I, I would argue like the best nonfiction books are also entertaining and in the sense that they like get people to read it and it's just stickier that way with better stories. But for us, like putting an episode together or like an outline together, it's more fun to start with that, like something fun. Yeah. And then it can be more fun to find the highlights as well, because you're like looking through a bunch of all the, all, a bunch of other sources. And then it can be fun to try to like, pull a connection in that roughly, not that we did the best, like <laughs> the best job here with these book highlights, but I think it was a, a good job. And, and yeah, just like that, that can be fun. So. And it's also easier in a way that, like, if I just going through, like, the highlights of a single book, there's so much of, like, oh, because it's easy to highlight, like... There's a lot of concepts, yeah. And it's easy to highlight, like, 100, 200, to have, like, 200 highlights. Say 100 highlights in a single book, pretty reasonable thing. And then you start thinking, like, oh, is this the best one? There's probably, like, a better one that we could use for the episode. Just, like, never, never ends. You never feel like you picked a good one. You kind of just settle. And just stop. So and now I'm just like, kind of rambling, but great episode. No Another good episode, man. I'm glad that we were able to get one out. Yeah, magic life lesson will you use in the upcoming week? I'm actually. I would. So here's the thing. Jason made a deck that is very annoying, and one of my goals is to counter his stuff because it's, it's a discard. His is a discard deck. Yeah, and it's very annoying. And all he does is if. If I don't have any cards in my hand, I lose two life. And it's a stupid enchantment. It's a lot of shrines that is very annoying. So one of my goals for this, not magic-wise, is is patience. Learning, not- it's just, I'm like, okay, I can't top deck at all. I, I know it's, I'm probably not going to win. Just let it slide. Or, if anything, just be the right card. It's just a lot of patience. This sounds like I, w- I would go with like a white deck in that case. It's... You know, you're able to heal yourself, get some more time, yeah. set up some protection. And yeah, me, I guess like, I don't know, got a lot of packing to do. For sure, man. Just like yeah, green aggression, or is it red, red <laughs> aggression? <laughs> green, a lot of like big creatures that yeah, are, yeah, yeah, creatures. that's what I need right now is move these weights around that I have heavy weights. But all right. All right, man. Well, good hearing from you. You take it easy. Just if you can play magic tonight, let us know. All right. We'll see about that. And have a good one. We'll be back next week. And we're two weeks away from recording on the West Coast. Nice. All right, man. Have a good one. Have a good one. And And cut. Cut.